Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Credits Podcast World Cup Football Film Special. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined by regulars James Diamond. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. As well as born offside when he can be bothered, uh, Dave McFarlane. Hello. The pleasure is all yours, gentlemen. <laughs> Mark my words, the amount of swear words usually... Uh, heard on this podcast is about to treble. I've bought a bleep machine for this week. I will break it. <laughs> and, a, and a translator. You thought John Sutton was bad? <laughs> yeah, this is the first podcast ever that will need subtitles. <coughs> Cunt! There we go. Uh, he's got one out. Good. Okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's one out the way. On. Anyway, so this is a, a look at uh, football and film as it's the start. Uh, we're about a week into the 2014 World Cup now, and as well as that, without football, this podcast probably would never have happened, or at the very least, you would not have had me on it. You say that like it's a good know, thing. Some kind of alternative history, like if the Nazis had won the war or something like that. Just imagine if this podcast was going without Steve. Imagine what a different world that would be. Probably five <laughs> listeners rather than ten. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yes, we're going to have a look at uh, the history of football and film, our favourite football films, um, documentaries and that around around football, as well as triple bill later on of three footballing stories we'd like to uh, see on the silver screen. Um so, James, why don't you get us underway then with, you know, what was what's kind of your favourite football films? I was thinking about it. It's really difficult to think of football films that are good, that are about football. Uh, I, 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 and I, I struggle. I think part of the reason being that football football matches themselves are already so full of drama, but the spontaneity and things like that. Uh, you know, if you know what the result's going to be, it's really difficult to make a... A film more dramatic than a real football match. Um, so generally, the the film in terms of the fictional films, put it that way. Documentaries are a little bit different, but the fictional films um, are the ones that either look at the the world of football themselves, um, or look at how football itself has uh, a a spot, a space in our, our culture. One, a really re- uh, great one, I enjoy. Um, uh, called Joy Noel, which is about the the Great War, the 
Christmas Day armistice, armistice where um, basically, uh, yeah, and we think the English, the Germans, the French, and the various different nationalities all all fighting on that front got together and played a game of football. And I think that's that's a great film because it isn't necessarily about the football match; it kind of builds up to the football match, but it it places that football in a historical context and. I'll be honest, I've, I've not seen Goal, for example, uh, but I'm struggling to think of any films purely about the game of football, apart from possibly The Damned United, which, again, was more about a man rather than a football team, if you see what I mean. I, I don't know. I'll be honest, yeah, I think, I think the best films... Ingl- Sorry. That's right. I was just going to say Mike Bassett, England manager, is kind of just about the football team, isn't it? And the yes, manager, yeah. I, I think a comedy, maybe, it's a bit different, isn't it? And you no, know, you're right, Mike Bassett's a a decent English comedy and it's it is about football and I think it helps it. it's it's very much about the English perspective on football as well yeah you need to have some kind of understanding of the English game to kind of get it properly I think I think, I yeah, think you... it's probably still be quite funny but if you haven't got that background knowledge of English football you're not going to enjoy it as much I don't think no. so I, I kind I of think I of it as think... a football I don't think there's a lot you can take from Mike Bassett if you don't understand English football or British football. I mean, yeah, there's some there's some jokes in there about you know the the assistant manager being a dodgy used mm. car salesman. There's some jokes in there about the the physio wanting to fill up your groin even if your wrists <laughs> been you know playing up. Mm. But generally, it's it's taking the mick and satirising English football. Um, from the last 20 or 30 years and it does it really well so if you don't have a clue about English football you're not going to get Mike Bassett and that's probably why it got got quite a few bad reviews because there were people who didn't know about football writing a film review yeah because in a way and I'm not comparing them in terms of quality because one is far superior to the other uh, and this isn't saying anything bad about Mike Bassett but it's a bit like Spinal Tap if you watch Spinal Tap and have no idea about the, the excess of 80s rock music, you would watch that and go, I don't quite get some of this. Why, why is he doing that? Or uh, Ozzy Osbourne thought it was an actual real documentary, which just goes to show you can go too far the other way in terms of that. I, I think you're right about that. And I'm struggling to think of any kind of real universal um, films, uh, that, you know, brilliant universal films about football. And maybe that is because every country has its own relationship with football and every, every culture looks at their football differently maybe there isn't it isn't possible to make a universal film in that sense so I, I think well, maybe that's what Beckham. they tried with goal I don't know so I think for me that football films are the best are the ones that get football as the backdrop rather than the main story I mean mm-hmm. the obvious one for me Spring Springs Gregory's girl yeah obviously yeah. football plays a big part of the film but that's not really the full point of the story you know, so it's about a teenage boy you know trying to mm-hmm. empty his balls yeah that's enough to swear but <laughs> Um, I mean, again, you yeah, could and, say and things like ID, the film that came out yeah. in 1995, made by the BBC, it was all about the hooliganism of football rather than the game itself. Um, mm. Again, the football match itself was more of a backdrop, it was more about the fighting. Yeah, which then spawned uh, a plethora of terrible, terrible uh, copycat, almost a genre in itself, oh, yes. isn't it? The football hooligan F- film. Yeah, fo- Stop football it. hooliganism and, and firm films are now kind of separate genre, which is just really gets worse and worse for everyone that comes out yes um yeah that that's an odd one uh but but yeah again you're right it's around the culture around the uh, uh around the sport rather than the sport itself but, but obviously the problem, the problem with a lot of football hooliganism films from my point of view 
yeah, especially like the, the kind of two most mainstream ones, the Football Factory mm. and um, Lord of the Rings Part Four, uh, Green Street, <laughs> is is just like the way it glorifies hooliganism. Yes. Even though you see people get hospitalised or killed, it still glorifies it at the end of the day. And you're thinking, it, uh, yeah, and is that something about the medium? Because I read Away Days. Um when I was younger and that I think Away Days is a fantastic book um I've not I think there was a film made of it I've not watched it um and although there was a film made of it and I would think it came in but no no I didn't think it would be recommendable to be honest uh, but the, the book works really well because you actually get inside a character's mind you 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 start to understand why that kind of lifestyle would be attractive to um, dis, uh, disaffected, some alienated young people who don't have anything else kind of going for them. You get the idea of wanting to be in a gang, but you you actually get the main character saying that. Whereas in a film, it tends to be a series of punch ups and creative ways to hit people over the head with snooker cues and bottles and things like that. And uh, yeah, it, it is a shame because I, I think there is well, ID I think is the closest we actually got to. Um, to a, a proper, a, a a good and intelligent look at is, the world of is, football hooliganism. Is ID the one about the undercover police? That's a better one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that one's going to have a different because it's it's, it's got Oldman the... in, hasn't it? If I remember correctly, it's years since I've seen it. I'm sure it's I got have, Gary Oldman in. I don't. I can't think I've seen it. But I mean, if it's coming from the view, the perspective of a police officer, obviously that's not going to glorify hooliganism. It's going to, give you... to an extent it does know because we're giving too much away. The, the guy basically gets deeper and deeper undercover. And just yeah. it's like I don't want to give too much. That's a that's perfect. That's a perfect description, really. <laughs> like the point break of football. Yeah, but obviously it's set in like South London rather than on the California coast. Shut so well. It's a little bit grim. <laughs> but no, it, yeah. But it, at the same time. Yeah, it at least tried to explain how someone would be attracted to that kind of uh, lifestyle without saying, oi, oi, isn't this brilliant, fucking hell, kind of thing. Like, I've seen in some films. Just basically putting Danny Dyer or a parody thereof yeah. in the film. Yeah. He's a pain in the cunt, um, by the way, that man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I went off that tangent somewhat. That, I don't think that is libel. Um, <laughs> but anyway... It's anyway, fair, I think it's um, classed as fair comment, yeah. Perhaps perhaps the the biggest football film of all time is Escape to Victory, uh, loosely based on a kind of true story, or, or inspired, I say, by a true story, mm-hmm. of Hungarian prisoners of war taking on um, their prisoner of war camp guards in a match. Mm. The music now from Escape to Victory has actually been used on that new Sky advert with David Beckham about Sky Sports 5, which I thought was brilliant because I thought they'd just go for like The Great Escape or something, but none have actually chosen Escape to Victory's music. Nice. Those uh, adverts, but, by the way, are absolutely fucking appalling. I'm sick of them. He, oh, he cannot act to save his life, can he? Beckham. No, and that documentary about him going up the jungle was boring. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says, he seems like a really nice guy. He's, he's, a, he's a good role model. That documentary was boring and cut to pieces by his PR team without any doubt. Yeah, just when he was showing a bit of personality, it just changed. No, no, no he's actually a human being. Oh, well, here's a beer. Do you know who I am? No. Of course they don't. They don't have telly, you clown. 
<laughs> uh, yes, Escape to Victory, so uh, yeah. World War Two, Prisoner of War Camp, um, Sylvester mm. Stallone, Michael Caine, Bobby Moore, Ozzy Ardiles and Pele end up taking on, uh, well, they start off just wanting a match against the guards, um, just for a bit of morale and a bit of a laugh. Ends up being a whole propaganda machine with, with, with what seems like the best of the POWs against the German national team. Um, and it might not be the best film ever. It's certainly not the best film ever, but it's bloody interesting. Exactly. That's what you really want for a film. You know, just, you don't need to be blown away by the film. You can just turn your brain off and enjoy it. And I, I, I will say that the day I die, I'll never get around the fact that John Walk was in a film, Sylvester Stallone. That's just bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's basically some of the cream of the crop of football at the time. So, there's, well, you know, there's Pele, Archibes, <laughs> uh, Co-Prince, Bobby Moore. Yeah, Mick Summerby, John Walk, and the Ipswich Town team, who happened yeah. to be on like a pre-season tour in the area at the time, yeah. and got called in to shoot some scenes. It's like a poor man's goal. Yeah, it's kind of like the. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it, it's a bit like Dream Team. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, um, we, we might come on to Dream Team later. We might. Well, yeah, yeah. We had the 1970s equivalent of Andy Anser playing there, didn't we? Basically, and that, that's yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's good wholesome entertainment. Escape to victory. I, I yeah, you, I can't say anything bad about it, despite the fact it's not a great film. It's it's an enjoyable film, and at least it actually had a go. Um, and unlike some films, uh, the football scenes in it are done quite nicely. I think Pele was the uh, choreographer for the all of the football scenes. Mm. He's certainly credited with it anyway in the in the film as choreographing all the football scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a nice film. And it's it's also film. the fact that Stallone wanted to score the winning goal and they said to him, look, you're in goal. <laughs> you're in goal, it's not going to happen. So they wrote in the penalty save to Stop him. that yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he also, when he actually asked Michael Caine where he had to stand for corner kicks, it was a genuine question. <laughs> oh, sly. Which did you call that film? He was in about car racing drive. Oh, I, I just sing a song and I overtake everyone and I... Stop it, you egomaniac. It's not funny and it's not clever. He, he also said that training for uh, Escape to Victory was harder than training for Rocky. Wow. Which yeah, is... but you've and seen the you boxing at John Walk and guys. I thoroughly dispute that, quite frankly. As a goalkeeper, I'm telling you, talking nonsense. <laughs> Your level of training is different to anyone. Well, lifting two pints is training. <laughs> I would have thought Escape the Victor had been primed for a remake by now. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't with, been, with, to be honest. With kind of football being massive, you know, a growing sport in America, sliced alone remaking every other kind of old film, you could probably still stick him in goal and have a whole new cast. Yeah, the ex- maybe that's what The Expendables 3 is. I don't know. I've I've not seen the trailer. <laughs> maybe it is, it's all of them stuck in a prisoner of war camp with um, fat Eric Cantona and uh, David Seaman and... <laughs> Beckham's definitely in it. Oh, absolutely. Make it, Beckham's there. And Vinnie Jones okay. is somehow going to make his way up. Oh yeah. No, he's 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 done Mean Machine, and, and we we're not. That's all we're going to yep. say about Mean Machine. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it is worth talking about Goal, um, even though James hasn't seen it. It was ambitious. It was a good idea, wasn't it? It just it get let down somewhere, but the third one fell flat. So, if, yeah, if anyone doesn't know of the Gold Trilogy, it tells a story of uh, a Mexican, Santiago Munez, who 
is an immigrant in America, ends up getting scouted and signed for Newcastle United, then his career progresses to Real Madrid and then the World Cup. The third film, I think people tend to have lost interest in the series and they and they kind of binned off that uh, that character and just made it about some England fans following England at the World Cup. I've not seen Goal 3, but I've seen Goal I don't Goal think it helped it, pretty much just went straight um, to DVD and the trailer just looked like AIDS. I just refused, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, the, the the one thing I've got problem with goal I've got, or one the, the first problem I've got is how did a Mexican immigrant to America get a work permit to play for Newcastle United? What's the point? Could, I'm sure they could have done better than Newcastle. <laughs> well, apparently they picked Newcastle because they thought it was kind of um, it's a relatively big team, but it's not the biggest team, so it's a bit more believable. But they're, they're kind of, they, apparently at the time, they were well-liked. Unless you're a Sunderland or Middlesbrough fan, Newcastle were generally a well-liked team that had a big enough reputation in football to be known kind of globally, but not too big that they had to step up for him to sign for someone like Real Madrid in the second film. Because clearly what would have happened is like one of Chelsea or Man City would have bought him, farmed him out to Holland for four or five years until he actually got... <laughs> EU citizenship, and then they could have brought him back and played him in the team. But that doesn't make us. Great I don't think you can wait six instalments of the film just before he gets on the subspace in the week up, because he's just playing in fire nord for six years. What I don't like about this, <laughs> yeah, although go- there's a lot of things that he could get up to in Holland, which would make him a very so, different film. Goal, goal two on loan at the feeder club doesn't really have the yeah. same ring as it is goal two living the dream. Goal no. I did also hear that the the, po- the plot of the third. Um, Film should the, the series have taken off how they wanted was because he's married an English woman he therefore qualifies to play for England or he possibly qualifies to play for Spain somehow rather than Mexico and that's he just he does a Diego Costa there. and just <laughs> beats yes. off his old country which really went well for Mr Costa yeah. hasn't it? Also, what I liked in the second one is they managed to fit in Michael Owen moving to Newcastle from Real Madrid I just thought that was brilliant <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I mean, it was ambitious. It really did. It really did try to kind of mix real football, real life. You know, had all the real players in there training. They were involved in the in the whole thing. I think with, with the Newcastle one, when Newcastle scored a goal in real life, they told the players, the, the actors, to run onto the pitch fully kitted up to kind of get involved in the celebration scenes to to make it authentic. You know, it really did try. It just mm. kind of fell flat with being poorly acted and yeah. poorly scripted. It was not the best film I've ever seen. I mean, I only watched it this week as homework. I did it as homework for the for the podcast. Um, and yeah, it's like Escape to Victory, isn't it? There's a weird mix of footballers and actors in there. So you've got the real Newcastle players, like Jermaine Genus and Kieran Dyer and Lee Bowyer and James Milner all popular. And then there's the bit where he meets the Galacticos in the bar. You know, he's talking to Zidane, Raul and Beckham, which is just completely like out of place. With the rest of the film. Um, but the acting in it from... There's only basically three people in goal who have any kind of story progression through the whole film. Um, and they're, it's just really a weak film. But the, it's surprisingly enjoyable. It's really trashy, really corny, full of cliches, but it's... There's something fun about it. I don't think it's anything else. And, and that's, that's where we... And that's when we come on to Dream Team. <laughs> Sky One's fantastic football uh, drama that is available online at various sources. Tweet me, I'll send you the link. Cough, 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 cough. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is. 
We originally started telling the story of a fictional team, Hartford United's youth team, progressed to their first team, and the storylines got more and more outlandish. <laughs> There's some great storylines. Uh, the they, goalkeeper they cut, taking but... the entire team hostage with a gun uh, yeah. because he'd been let, he'd been uh, corrupted. That was one of my favourite ones. The fact that um, their star player was called Carl Fletcher, and Bournemouth also had a player called Carl Fletcher at the same time, was was quite nice. And uh, do you know what? Um, TV. All these TV programs getting a, like Lost is getting a reboot. Heroes is getting a reboot. Twenty Four's got a reboot. Oh, at the moment. If they, I want a if dream, they bring team back dream Team, if Sky bring back Dream Team, I don't know how they're going to bring. Scotty, they killed half the squad. Remember the clothes peg. Yeah, there's a bus crash every two years, wasn't there? Yeah. And everyone and all the actors went off. Is to Linda Block still alive? Did Linda Block survive? She yes, but she, no, she was a fat chair. Now things are going rapidly downhill for her. Oh. Oh but dear, Nikki Peggs. They, they, is Nikki Peggs still alive? Oh, she's Nikki about. Peggs. Yeah, I, I remember her brother Gary Peggs who slipped over in a jacuzzi and injured himself, and he couldn't play football again. Yeah, it beats Canizares dropping a ball after shaving his foot, doesn't it? I, I, do you know what? I I stopped watching it when one of Boyzone bought the club, and that would it was it was the the kind of real traveller type. <laughs> I, I never stopped. Shane Duffy. They, they I think superimposed it was. the Harchester kits, didn't they, on top of a real game? Yeah. So I kind of remember in one game Beckham playing against Harchester about four different haircuts <laughs> in one match. <laughs> Attention to detail. Just some I don't really remember playing the Rangers and UEFA Cups, and it was better than I rocks to get with Blitzel Estate and was even in UK. It was like, come on. But that was part of its charm as well. It just didn't really care. Yeah. Was that, ah, it works. It was just fun to. I mean, they had footballers' wives on ITV as well, but you didn't really see them play football in ITV. You're a good man to watch football as well. It was just like a... Uh, well, I never watched it. I just knew that you, did, you didn't ever see them play football in it. That was, you know, no, Dream, Dream Team, Team was you did. a soap for blokes. Dream Team yeah. was the ultimate in family entertainment. I can't believe that sentence just came out. <laughs> I can't believe it makes sense. I also remember there was... I also remember there was one player in Dream Team who was a really good player. But there was no kind of actor who played him. He like his name would come up as scoring a lot of goals and setting up a lot of goals. He was not actually a character. There was never any person playing him. Rather, there was Danny Wilbeck basically he just scored goals, but nobody really knows how. Yeah, essentially. Um, we've also had some other kind of hit films featuring football. Uh, Sean Bean's effort when Saturday comes. Oh dear God, I've forgotten about that. That film's brilliant. Where he. Where he stuck, a Sheffield where still worker ends up playing. Yeah, in the I, I final against Manchester United, which is a bit like um, is is a is a little bit like a uh, Roy S and Doe, <laughs> uh, who when he knocked Leicester City out of the FA Cup playing for Wickham, having answered a uh, uh, an advert on Teletext looking for, for players, which actually I should have thought that should have been one of my stories that I made into a <laughs> film later on, but I haven't. The Roy S and Doe story. Yeah. Yeah. On Lifetime or something. <laughs> For Taylor Hicks to glory. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was an instantly forgettable effort from uh, from Mr. Bean. It, it, and it was also one of the rare films that he didn't die in as well. Well, we can but hope. <laughs> also why it's Maybe that's why there wasn't us when Sunday comes, because he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's, a, here's an interesting cast for a, a football film. <laughs> Uh, released in 2001. It starred, uh, Robert Duval, Michael Keaton, Ali ah, McCoy. Shot at glory. <laughs> yes! Shot at glory. 
Dave, as a as a, as a, uh, a loving Scotsman, talk through this. Well, it's about a fictional club called Kilnocky, um, essentially. Yeah, that's their name. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Um, they basically attempt to reach their first ever Scottish Cup final. Um, they're trying to do this while they're trying to stop the owner moving the club to Dublin. Remember, somebody tried that once upon a time. Um, the owner was played by Michael Keaton, as he mentions. Um, without giving the, the ending away, they don't win. Of course they don't. They're Scottish. The underdog never bloody wins. And it's an awful, awful film. But it's that bad, it's good, really. Alan McCoyst isn't an actor. And, and Ali McCoyst... Ali McCoy's plays a legendly excellent player at that, which is rather ironic because I need to bite a Celtic legend now. And according to Wikipedia, Didier Gat plays he a does, Rangers but player. He was, he was a Celtic player at the time, he was a very Rovers player. That's where the extras came from. <laughs> they just get the local clubs out and he's only doing any better. Come on. <laughs> it was, I, I can't, I can't give it enough credit, really. Mark Knopfler, of all people, he wrote the soundtrack. Yeah. So that's probably the best bit of the film. Can't, do you mean you can't give it I any credit to. whatsoever? Yeah. Quite right. yeah. There we go. Yes, I quite right. Not it. How has Robert Duvall turned uh, up in that? Nobody ever quite. Nobody ever quite got their head with that one. Just that, I know. I know. He's, and, and yeah, Batman. Batman and Robert Duvall and Alan McCoyst. Keaton was on a dark spell of films at that point. Keaton's finally coming back, but he. 10, 15 years, he couldn't get in a, he couldn't get in a proper cinematic release. I think the only thing Michael Keaton was on that time was crack. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna need to check that. Do we I said I'm gonna deviate, it's fine. <laughs> just remember, just remember who it was that told you. Uh, okay. This is, this is how, this is what I'm used to with Dave, editing. I keep you busy. This is why we're banned from mentioning a certain former person who bid to... That was nothing to do with me. That was nothing to do with me. And we won, yes. Get it right up, yeah, UFO-loving twat. (laughs) And that's all we're going to say. I'm not going to bring your legal battles over here. Those failed critics aren't banned from talking about him. (laughs) So we can say what we like. You're a wang. We won't. Yeah, we'll go on. No, we'll go on. I'm not uh, finished. Uh, Wanker. Uh, uh, <laughs> right, let's move on. Right, Dave, <laughs> relax. Um, because we're going to go on to a couple of a uh, couple of uh, British favourites here: Fever Pitch and My Summer with Des. Oh. Now, Fever Pitch is actually oh, a decent no. film. No, no, it's not. I like it's it. Not. Just um, stop that. I like that they say it's loosely based on the book. And what way was it even loosely based? You've made up an entire new story. Oh, there's Arsenal. There you go. That's it. Based on the book. Pipe down. It's alright. It's a decent enough film. My Summer with Des, however, not quite as good as um, An Evening with Gary Lineker, but still pretty special. Uh, Neil Morrissey's finest moment, I believe. Well, apart from when he shagged around the hole. <laughs> and, and I can tell you what, next time I win the quiz... You'll get to see Neil Morrissey in all his glory and one run for your wife. That, that, that's my new oh, choice. Oh, decided, so. the, the, I've heard they're, uh, I've heard they're um, making a, a third in, in this series, long awaited, going to be a trilogy. Now we've got an afternoon with a- Adrian Child. <laughs> that's not even funny. Doing joke about that. That's one of Dante's circles <laughs> of hell. I'm sure of it. 
before before we move on to triple bill, then really, I suppose the last thing to look at is football documentaries. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say there's uh, there was a couple of scenes that sprung to mind about films that weren't actually about football, but football played a nice little scene. Uh, one of the most famous ones, Kez, obviously, where uh, Brian Glover, uh, the the sadistic. Uh, PE teacher decides to completely humiliate the entire class pretending to be Bobby Moore runs around them and then just drills a goal in which anyone who's ever played with uh, you know gone down the park and seen kids playing just I've always been desperate to just barge them out of the way and score a goal like that but the except, other... except the fact you're not oh, you're not like your children yeah no exactly it just wouldn't work yeah it wouldn't work unfortunately I'm not <laughs> Brian Glover um, but the other one that really sprung to mind when I was thinking of this have, have you seen Hannibal the the not the TV series the the film which was the sequel to Silence of the Lambs because nope. right at the end of it um, Hannibal Lecter is one of the characters in the film he's basically lobotomized them and he is cooking and feeding their own brain to them which is just a lovely scene and then uh, I was like really horrified by this and then in the background I saw that uh, there was a Premier League football match and Julian Jochum was playing. <laughs> <laughs> it just put me at ease. I was I was feeling really horrible about that scene. I was like, oh, there's Julian Jochum. That's quite nice. It's a bit like that in um, Iron Man yeah. Tomorrow, isn't there? Where, they're, where they're, the the guys in Scotland, I think it is, at the Weather Research mm. Centre are watching Manchester United against Celtic, I think. I think it's meant to be being just for Celtic. Yeah, it was just blatantly the Man United Celtic footage that used for that season's Champions League. So, uh, well done. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, that's the only films that ever really popped to mind for me with things like that. Because, also, yeah. the vast majority of blockbusters tend to be made in America and they tend to, they tend to feature American sports as a result. There's a couple of scenes, I mean, one particular scene in, um, that features football. Well, it's from the Damned United, I think, is mm. probably the best scene from any football film I've seen. Um, with Clough, and he's in the uh, the dressing room, and all you can hear is the sound of the crowd outside, and you can't actually see the football. I think that's just a fantastic scene. Yeah, where he's just really kind of nervous, pacing about, and you just get the silhouette of the crowd through the window. I think that's just brilliant. Yeah, it, it, yeah. And as we said at the beginning, I genuinely, really, really enjoyed that film as well. Mm, I mean, we didn't say too much about the Damned United, but I mean, I mean, the book and the film. It is dubious how much of it is accurate. Of his time at Leeds, um, but Michael Sheen's portrayal of Brian Clough, from what I've seen of Clough on TV and and you know archive footage, is spot on. It seems to be going mm. for a, it seems to be enduring a phase where where Sheen was was looking like being the world's greatest impressionist <laughs> rather than a good actor. He was just sort of was he doing Frost, um, Blair, uh, Blair on Kenneth Williams and, yeah. and Brian Clough, and he nailed them all. And you thought he's just a really good impressionist. Yeah, uh, and, but and he all... is definitely a brilliant actor as he well. Is, though. Yeah. Uh, apart from the Underworld films, he's, 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 well, he's just having fun in those films, isn't he? And that's fine. Pays the rent, Not... and he gets to be real. Yeah. And uh, do you know what? At least he's entertaining in those. Uh, yeah, I, I can forgive people doing poor roles in bad films as long as they at least make it entertaining, which is. Why I love Nick Cage, you know. So <laughs> I, I, basically, I, gives him enough money to be able to do stuff like the Dungeon exactly, United. Yeah. So more then that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, football documentaries. Then just before we go on to Triple Bill, um, football has got a lot of good stories to tell, which lends well to uh, documentaries. 
Yeah, there's loads more. Mm. You know, I was thinking of doc. I was thought, well, there's loads of brilliant documentaries because again, what you're doing there is you're letting the actual real football mm. tell the story. And you know, if you try and dramatise it, sometimes no, just seeing the footage, seeing the people involved is is far more powerful and far more interesting. Um, I mean, ESPN have got a few coming out lately. Mm. They're not out already. Part of their thirty thirty series. Uh, there's two definitely out already. There's the Hillsborough one, which was fantastic. I've heard very uh, good yeah, things about. Yeah, I've not seen that. And there, and there was also the uh, Taylor Two Escobars about which the is great. Uh, yeah, yeah. After the the fallout from the 1994 World Cup, where uh, Andrea Escobar scored no goals, knocked Colombia out, and a much fancy team in that tournament. Mm. Uh, so he was shot by, uh, or you know, shot on the orders of Pablo Escobar, the the famous or infamous drug baron. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's what and again gets into the fate of the series and. So many more fantastic documentaries than that, but that that for me is the best football documentary by William Mills. Mm-hmm. Um, Did any of you watch the World Cup documentaries that BBC was showing in the build? I saw some of them. Well, there's a lot of them on YouTube, really and I like they them were as well. brilliant. The official FIFA ones are always good as well. They always put a good bit of effort in them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, there's yeah. some great ones. Um, uh, Again, before this World Cup, I rewatched uh, One Night in Turin, which isn't necessarily the most technically brilliant documentary I've ever seen, um, but it's a fantastic documentary in terms of it really evokes an era of, of Italian ninety, um, and it, it's it's a great one to watch to remember. We kind of remember England getting to the semis, and you know, oh god, we nearly could have done it. But it, you really get reminded of how unfancied England were going into that tournament and how much pressure they were under. And the great thing about it is there's loads of behind-the-scenes footage of the players training, relaxing, interviews with them. Um, and it's narrated by Gary Oldman as well. If you've not seen One Night in Turin, it's, it's really, really worth it. watching, especially if you're an England fan who remembers that tournament as well, which is, you know, that was the first tournament I ever saw. Um, and then just after that, a couple of years after that, The Impossible Job, the Channel 4 documentary about Graham Taylor's attempts to... Well, the, 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 film, the documentary that inspired Mike Bassett. Exactly. Um, it, and led to such hit catchphrases as Carlton, Carlton, Hitler's demand it. <laughs> Can we not knock it? And yeah. obviously, do I not like that? Um, <laughs> which, and again, that is that's a fantastic documentary in terms of looking at you know one man uh, and yeah, the title itself, the impossible job. I, I think it's quite an even-handed documentary. And I was reading a write-up about it recently. It said there's this lovely bit where it's just so English. Graham Taylor. Uh, yeah, and to be fair, that Holland match, we, England were robbed by a couple of... Even as a Scotsman, I've got to admit that. Absolutely, was a vaping bit of referee. Yeah, and he just goes over to the linesman, kind of just... Yeah, could you just tell him that... Uh, tell you, mate, he's lost me my job. I kind of just walked back to his... Okay, you say, uh, it's just typically British, so I'm just going to tell him that. Thanks. <laughs> it's like, I'm not shouting at you, but... <laughs> but yeah, exactly. That is of anyone who wants to watch. Anyone who hasn't seen it, it's available in full on YouTube if you search for it. The Impossible Job. But that—that's also just a, a startlingly brilliant documentary. And um, yeah, it's also Next Goal Wins, which I was luckily invited to see. Which I've still uh, not managed to see, but I'm, I really, really want to. Because well, I th- I even some have... football fans have been raving about it. People that don't like football have been saying on Twitter how 
absolutely fantastic it was. I think I think it's out of cinemas now, and yeah. it might still have a limited release. I'm not sure what their plans are for distribution. It'll end up on Netflix pretty soon, I reckon. Yeah, but it's just it's it, it's not really that insightful or anything. Um, it's about the Americans from a football team, the worst at the time they made a documentary, the worst national team in the world. But it's just so uplifting, and it's such a contrast to the World Cup now between the the best players, the most expensive players, who are millions and billions of pounds going into it, to the the bottom end of football. I mean, like I said when mm. I'd done the proper review of it, the opening clips kind of after you see them lose thirty one to Australia, you see them doing a bit of training and they can't they they're dribbling in that cones worse than what I would. Yeah. That's how bad they were to start with. I probably could have Steady on it. It's, I, I that, always, it's that contrasting standard of football. Did you, have you always wished you were born in a country which is really terrible at football, just so you could have played international football? I've always like Scotland, always wished. Go and see it. Up Get out of your system. Video. I was yeah. waiting, Steve, do that and beat the punch. <laughs> but that, that's that's pretty much the idea of um, the, the the really good. I think they're only one now. Uh, Pop Ney, mm. which is being made into a film now as well, apparently. I'm not sure how far along they are with that, but it's definitely been made into a film. And that was the idea there. These two guys thought they'd go and play for the worst, one of the worst teams in the world. Turned out they couldn't because getting citizenship was an absolute nightmare. They ended up forming a national team and forming into some kind of competitive entity. And that's being made into a film, so hopefully okay. that will one... along and be, be pretty good. I reckon I could have played for the Pharaohs. Yeah. <laughs> No, <laughs> I think you're underestimating how good like that even that standard are. Oh yeah, no, but if I'd grown up there, I would have like properly committed myself to. You'd be lucky to be the water boy. Well, it's, it's football. It'd be, it'd be football or fishing, wouldn't yeah, it? Exactly. I reckon. I reckon from if from a young age, I'd properly focused on it. I reckon I could have played for the Pharaohs. I think the only documentary of no mention. Yeah, then um, I should come out with we'll, we'll a movie theatre then, but the name it completely escapes me. But it was on in BBC Four back in February about. South Sudan and just become a that's the very mm, one right. that was on. fascinating it was not yeah. really just the football to the extent also to our back seat and it was more about the buff of a nation rather than the buff of the football team and that, that I think you still find that in I play these enough if not you, I know it's on the internet in various places probably on YouTube as well that's something definitely need to watch ok we'll have a quick break there we'll be back after after that with our triple bill for, for this week of what uh, football stories we'd like to see made into films. Okay then, so a triple bill, as we explained, we'll be looking at uh, three stories from football that we kind of um, want to see made into film. Uh, I'm going to kick us off. Um, I'm going to start off with the first one. I mentioned this a while ago, and we did another triple bill, which was centred around um, what people or you know what um i think it's like three people's lives you want to see made mm. into films i went with diego maradona yeah uh who'll be played by gail garcia brunel do you know I, 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 right. let's just get this out here i've also got that but i think i think my vision of it is very very different to yours so let's hear yours first steve my mine ends uh with with disgrace because i don't really think he's done anything of note past this he i know he manages the argentinian national team but and he managed to have a team in the video. But I think it ends on him being kicked out of USA 94 for taking drugs. That's the end point. Right, you, go okay. for all this, you go through all his highs and lows. You go through Maradona's um, you know, breaking onto the scene at, at Boca 
um, going to Napoli, winning the league there, but getting involved with all the mafia. You know, probably the start of his his drug addiction, his cocaine problems. Uh, his move to Barcelona, him winning the 1986 World Cup almost single-handedly for Argentina with the hand of God, and what is arguably the best World Cup goal ever, unless you're an Australia fan after Tim Keep Cain. I should have saved that by the way. Okay, but you know that. Uh, but it ends in disgrace with USA '94, where he's kicked out for taking drugs after you know that mental celebration. Oh, that that's vein's going to pop. Brilliant. Head. Yeah. Who's your director then, Steve? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I was hoping you might come up with some ideas for that one. Uh, I'm going to say Oliver Stone. <laughs> Maradona by, done by Oliver Stone. Yeah, that, that, that um, I, no, I, I also thought Maradona, just because his story's fantastic, he's a brilliant character, but I've gone really kind of very, very different. It, I want to tell the story of his life, but I'm, I'm having it directed by Edgar Wright in the style of, um, uh, Scott Pilgrim, uh, basically, uh, just a hyper realistic. I, I want to turn Maradona into almost a footballing superhero. Uh, and show like his goal, you know, his goal against England, where with his handball, like have him leaping fifty feet in the air and smash. I'd watch that. It might even be animated, actually. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and so you know, the, when he gets sent off for fighting people, he's like genuinely. It's like a fight scene on the football pitch. Uh, when he's hanging out in Milan, it's like it's like Scarface, uh, not in Napoli. It's yeah, essentially just a, a hyper realistic version of Scarface. Him just doing mountains of coke and stuff like that. That, so, I wanted to take it away from the realism because obviously, because oh, oh, Garcia Bernays looks nothing like Maradona as well, and maybe make a bit of a joke about that, and yeah, just chosen him because he's also from that part of the world. Uh, second choice is a. I know there's a film about FIFA coming out, which was which was made by FIFA and stars Tim Roth as Set Blatter. Is it actually made by FIFA? Yeah, FIFA made it, and they. Of the, I think it's cost us sort of six million dollars to make, and FIFA fronted up thirteen million of that. Jesus, Tim Roth, what the fuck are you doing, son? I've, so I, I've decided to make a film about FIFA. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but I'm going for kind of a, a political kind of comedy about FIFA yeah. in kind of the style of the thick of it. Nice, <laughs> literally what I've got as well. <laughs> but I, I, I've got a slightly different take on it, so I want to hear what you've got, and then I'll sort of say. <laughs> hey, well, that's, that's, that's just it different. basically whether they make it kind of <laughs> slightly fictionalised to get like they have that in the thick of it or, or not but basically because FIFA is such a joke of an organisation and is so corrupt and is so rife for parody hmm. it's just it's just I don't I don't even know who you'd get into acting it as, as Seth Blatter and, and Michelle Platini um, yeah. but it's just it's just ripe for kind of political comedy it is. I, I was going to set it over the evening when they announced who would host the 2018 and 22 World Cups. No, nice. just have it just over the course of one evening. You could have um, Amando Iannucci in there to direct it and do a bit of writing. But I'd get the guys in from Peep Show to do the writing. Um, you know, Jesse Armstrong, yeah. Sam Bain, and Simon Blackwell. I'm sure they'd be brilliant. I'd also get um, Patterson Joseph in. You know, Johnson from Peep yeah. Show, and he, I thought yeah. he could play. Um, Jack Warner I thought he'd be brilliant now. Yeah. absolutely no involvement in it just sort of sitting at home watching it getting increasingly furious with what's going on um, 
And I also thought there's only one person who I'd really want to see play Sepp Blatter in a sort of comedy role. And I think that'd be Steve Coogan. I think he'd just be, he's a brilliant character actor. Yeah. Um, I thought he'd be great. And also perhaps get, um, you know, Michael Smiley in to play Lord Treesman. I'm sure you could get like Richard Smith, uh, Richard Smith, Rhys Shearsmith. He could do like Sebastian Coe as well. Yeah. I think he'd be you great as that um, kind of pompousness. You yeah, because you, you'd need, uh, you'd need Cameron. Coe, Cameron, Beckham yeah. and yeah. Uh, Prince William, wouldn't you? Yeah. That's right. Well, obviously I wouldn't get Beckham in after his advert performance. <laughs> Unless he was just going to be there just constantly on a speedboat like he was in the opening ceremony yeah. of the Olympics. <laughs> if he was going to do that through the whole film, that's fine. I'd watch um, that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought it'd just be brilliant. Lots of little subtle nods to the corruption that was going on there. You could sort of have envelopes being passed around in the background or something, you know. Like just it. yeah, but testing it over just one evening, I thought would be the best way to handle that. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. I mean, but yeah, I, I think you know something like that in in that kind of style, or possibly the style of what is it? Is it called Twenty Twelve? The the kind of. Hmm. Documentary, uh, not documentary. You know the the comedy mockumentary thing about the May um, organizing mm-hmm. the the twenty twelve yeah. games with um, Jessica Hines. Uh, finally, the one I was going for. I was in two minds here. I didn't know whether to go for the Crazy Gang's FA Cup final win over Liverpool uh, as a kind of a, an, another kind of comedy one, um, or I think I've decided on this one. Uh, a, a political thriller of the Catanaccio scandal in Italy uh, a few years ago, where Juventus ended up relegated and a couple of teams docked points due to match fixing and you know involving referees. That would be. Co- I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm interested in that already, Steve. That second one, yeah. I'd love to know what the hell was going on there. It'd be brilliant. It was so corrupt and so crooked and so kind of, you know. It, Something at uh, uh, that level, uh, so high level of sport. So yeah, you know, kind of big political thriller um, about Catanaccio and that you've you know match fixing scandals. Um, was it Chiara Ferreira who jumped out of a window when it all got announced? Oh God! Uh, somebody, somebody, that's right. Did they not end up in a, a vegetable or in a wheelchair or something? So- Somebody jumped out a window, and I'm sure it was an old Pesol, player, I think he's who was now like a director or something. Anyway, but anyway, yeah. uh, that, that's my third choice. Um, Dave, then why don't um, you go well, ahead with yours? The first one for me can only be an action film, so you know, let's just get Stallone to direct it. Why not? He's good at that sort of thing. And it's got to be Liverpool's <laughs> one, the 2005 Champions League final, and the eventual victory. Now, you could have it as the one itself. You could have it as the final. It's got the title already there, the Miracle of Istanbul, there's your title. Um, just that alone, I mean, they nearly went out in the group stages, I think they were 10 minutes for going out until Steven Gerrard scored, and they beat teams that they'd no right beating, you know, I just think it's, it's a feel-good story, that, and it's an action thriller as well. That's about as much as I thought about that one. So, Steven Gerrard, why not? Steven Gerrard. It's worth getting on a bash, why not? <laughs> or just, just find someone who used to be in Brookside yeah. he's probably at some point everybody <laughs> feels yeah. like do you know what if Neil Mellor can act he kind of looks like Steven Gerrard so that, that'll do I've seen him on Soccer Saturday he, he can't form a, a, a sentence there's only <laughs> one person worse than him and that's Dean Windass uh, you could get um, Jason Statham in. Jason Statham in, couldn't you? If you've got uh, Stallone directing, oh, he's yeah. quite a bit get the Stath to play Gerard. 
Put him in goals again. Just put the monk in goals. We'll use a wee bit of creative yeah. license. <laughs> Huge yes. Yes. <laughs> <Harry Hill. laughs> <laughs> What other kind of fringe nationality uh, do they have? Uh, Smitsa was Czech. Um, I don't know any Czech actors. Just, well, uh, yeah, any Germans. Germans. European. No, Armand is in that squad. It won't notice, yeah. No, there was Igor Biscan, wasn't there? I don't know any Croatian. Yeah. And Jerzy Dudak, I don't know any Polish actors. So, um, Again, just Europeans. Americans might know. <laughs> just get, get somebody put in a funny accent. Yeah. I think no. It's all of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, all of them are like Eddie Murphy style. <laughs> yeah. Passing the ball to himself again. I'm just gonna. I said it before. I'd so he's went from an actual fan like a comedy. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my second what's, one be simply following the career of the fat Ronaldo, uh, the real Ronaldo, and obviously started his career. It was going through strength to strength, and then eventually his knees turned into biscuits. And eventually got his eventual redemption at the 2006 World Cup, where he broke quite a few records. Um, his career always just fascinated me for various different reasons. You know, as I to say, started off really well. It was a big prospect. It was at the 1994 World Cup, which not a lot of people know. Um, again, I, he didn't play enough. I think he didn't play he play as a kid boy, but you know, he was there for the experience. And the reason I say you know, things like this is, I think we mentioned it earlier, things have handled football are better than any story you could possibly write. You know. So, again, I've not even remotely thought about who would play him. Just somebody baldy with pubes in the front of their head for that period of time. I'll do. <laughs> I mean, you could also do it just centred around... Yes! The, um, the again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could also do it centred around the... The World Cup, um, 1988 as well, of course. Yeah. Kind of Which is where things World Cup started in 1998. Yeah. Uh, and it was such an interesting kind of thing as well. You know, he collapsed, he wasn't on the team sheet, he was on the team sheet, um, he had a seizure. Yeah. The rumours have always went about Nike, forced uh, them to play. Um, you know, yeah, because they had so much money invested in the Brazil team that they had insisted that he had to play even though he was mm-hmm. you know, clearly not right. And did that match mess up you know, a lot of his career? That's such yeah. an interesting story. I mean, that, story say, that alone, you could probably make a movie off, but... As you say, you've got the full career. You could go through the highs and the lows, and then eventually getting back before he got fat, basically. But you know, it happens to his always. My last one is simple. As a Scotsman, I've got to fit Scotland in there somewhere. Alex Ferguson's career, I think that speaks for its all. Alright, his autobiography was a pile of shit, don't read it. But, you know, someday with half a clue. (laughs) Which one? I suppose you may have a very good point. (laughs) The last one's bought and full of total inaccuracies, (laughs) but that's a different point entirely. And, uh, you know what, let's just get Billy Connolly to play him. He's Dulali as well now. No, no. Not Michael Sheen. Definitely about Billy Billy Connolly. He's getting (laughs) on better today now. Again. Okay. Uh, So, James. Okay, so we've already had, had my marathon. one of yours. Yeah. Uh, so the next one I've got here is actually, Steve kind of touched upon it earlier. It's, it's the match that inspired Escape to Victory in real life. They're known as the Death Match. Um, and it was a Ukrainian team. It t- took place during the Second World War between uh, FC Start, which was Kiev Bread Factory, which featured footballers from Dynamo Kiev and Lokomotiv Kiev. Um, Kiev at that point had been... Uh, yeah, invaded and was occupied by the German uh, German army, and they. Uh, this was an exhibition match between uh, local footballers and the German air force team, essentially. 
And the story goes that um, after the match, um, several players from the team, the, the, the Kiev team, which won 5-3, were shot because their victory humiliated the Germans. And the fact is... This was this was actually Soviet propaganda, which was kind of built up during the fifties and sixties. And once the fall of the Soviet Union happened in nineteen ninety one, researchers actually got in, spoke to eyewitnesses, spoke to people there, spoke, uh, you know, looked at the records. And it, this didn't really happen. The team weren't shot, they weren't threatened. Uh, they played a number of games at that time. A number of them died in labor camps like six months to a year afterwards, not connected necessarily to the film. A couple of them for organising an escape or, well, for not um, hanging their countrymen who had escaped, which was a kind of Nazi way of uh, humiliating and you know showing their authority. So I, I, the, my take on this is because you know, a couple of years ago, the, uh, the Russians did this film again. Uh, they, they made a film of it and they made it as if the death match actually happened. So I, I'm saying, no, let's have a, a film where someone in the 60s is creating the cover-up and then uh, an alternative, not an alternative, another timeline taking place at the same time in the film in the 90s where people are looking back and actually finding out it was a load of nonsense. But at the same time, looking at how dark it must have been to have been uh, occupied in Kiev. Um, and my only choice for this, really, is because for me this is part fiction, part documentary. Uh, it's looking at a dark period of German history. I'm going to have Werner Herzog uh, directing this uh, and have it as a fictional and documentary film with him narrating bits of it. It would be very dark. Fascinating. It would be pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's a really interesting... If you just look on Wikipedia, The Death Match, it's a fascinating article about the differences between what the Soviet propaganda was and everything like that. Because up until, I, I, I'll be honest, when we, would do, when we were preparing for this podcast, I went, right, I'm going to... My film, my story that I'm going to do is about The Death Match. And I, when I read it, it was like, oh, The Death Match didn't really happen the way that it's kind of passed into folklore. So that, I found that quite interesting in itself. Okay, and uh, one more then. Yeah, one more. Um, I'm going for uh, again a slightly different take on what might you know what some people might think an England fan wants to do. A take on the 1966 England team, but actually the biggest part of this film would be um, the 1970 World Cup. So you know, earlier on, early on in the film, we'll see the the technical no oh, the the. the tactical wizardry of the wingless wonders the fact that England uh. won the World Cup on the home soil uh, lost the World Cup while it was here and the dog found it <laughs> and stuff like that but actually the bigger part of the film would be the fact that you know these world champions who really believed in their own hype who to be fair had won a World Cup and went to Mexico in 1970 thinking do you know what we're going to win this again because we're England we've still got Bobby Chuck we've still got these players and then just the absolute catalogue of errors that happened there culminating in this ridiculous match where Gordon Banks was laid low with food poisoning. Uh, so Peter Benetti had to step up. England threw away a two-goal lead to lose in injury time to Germany. And, it, and then English football just was plummeted, essentially, into the dark ages. Didn't qualify for another World Cup uh, during the 1970s. Um, yeah, it, it was that, that really ended uh, a very, very brief period when England were one of the best footballing sides in the world. Um, so I, I think 
I get period detail. I'm going for Ron Howard. I, I like. I really love what Ron Howard did with Rush and did with Frost Nixon. And so I'm going with Ron Howard and his writer Peter Morgan to have a look at that period of English football. Uh, Tom Hardy as Nobby Styles, I reckon. Uh, Michael Fassbender as Jeff Hurst. Uh, um, I'm feeling some of these cast. Basically, uh, anyone who's anyone in British acting. Uh, James McAvoy can do an English accent, so we'll, we'll get him in. Yeah, the irony of having a Scotsman. You just piped down right now, you're top. So, um, would you have him as the. Would you have him as the hero? Would you have him as, uh, as you know, as Moore or Hurst or. Who, McAvoy? Yeah, or would you? Or would you just maybe I'd have him as Greaves. Have him as I'd a, have him as Jimmy Greaves benched for the World Cup final. Jimmy Greaves, <laughs> getting really pissed off with. Fuck you. Um, but yeah, uh, and, you know, uh, Bobby Moore getting arrested for stealing jewellery when they're in Mexico. There's a load of great things that happened in that build-up to that World Cup. So yeah, it's kind of like a, a historical piece. I might do it in two parts, a bit like I don't know if you've seen Mezrine, the Vin- Vincent Cassell uh, criminal. I think we all know that I haven't crime drama done in two parts and so maybe this would be two parts there'd be the 1966 part the the kind of rise uh, of the english footballing empire and then the second part would be the absolute decline of the english footballing empire um and then finally owen we've had one of yours already uh so what's the other two uh okay well i was quite confident about um two of them and one of them's already been taken. So there's another one which I'm not sure how it's going to go down. So I'll save that one for, for last. Uh, it just wouldn't be a triple bill if I wasn't just playing with the rules a bit, was it? Um, so yeah, my first choice then, I guess, um, I'd make a movie, uh, an autogri- autobiographical film, uh, about the current hipsters footballer of choice. Uh, well, since you were 2012 anyway, I think, uh, the Italian master <laughs> Andrea Perlo. Um, I just think he's got that kind of natural uh, charisma and swagger that would be kind of perfectly uh, suited to an arrogant genius of a leading character in a film. Um, something I'd make it something similar to like Inside Lewin Davis, which I thought was a brilliant film yes. um, earlier this year. Um, uh, but, you know, obviously about football instead of folk music. But in, in fact, I think I'd even get the Coen brothers in to do it as well. Just get them to direct a film about Andrea Perlo. Just ask them to kind of replicate inside Lewin Davis, but swap it around. Um, That's a great. And I assume Perlo would play himself in this. Perlo, obviously, there's no one who could, no one yeah. else who could really play Perlo as that. But uh, I mean, you know, imagine the lines of dialogue that you would get out of it as well, combining his um, his autobiography, the uh, "I think, therefore I play." Some of the quotes from that are just brilliant. Um, yeah. Combining that with the Coen Brothers' n- normal style of dialogue. That you know, have you, some of the quotes from that are brilliant. Stuff like him describing Real Madrid players as bruised and battered slaves at the King's Banquet. Even the way he describes the Liverpool yeah. Champions League um, just ends it with, would... for fuck's sake. <laughs> yes, I like that man. <laughs> yeah. He stands for. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a brilliantly, it's a brilliant dry wit that he kind of possesses and I think that would lend itself really well to their, to their style as well. It would be quite pretentious. Yeah, the way you describe exactly. it, now, I could almost see it almost being like a an, a modern day version of uh, Jean Luc Godard's uh, Breathless. Uh, yeah, I could, <laughs> yeah, I could just imagine. Well, for... uh, yeah, yeah a rem- you could easily remake Breathless and just stick Pearl. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's funny you should say that because one of my other ideas, I don't know why, but I kind of imagine it to just be in black and white yeah. for some reason as well. And the only bits that would be in colour would be his glasses <laughs> of red wine. Everything else, black and white, 
I would pay um, to see that. Yeah. You could kind of set it if you wanted to give it a bit of a Hollywood sheen as well. You could give it with a have it with a, like a, a fall and then a rise kind of arc. Yeah. So you start with the 2005 Champions League that Dave's talked about, um, the final, um, where they got battered, but well, not battered, they got beaten by Liverpool, um, and then end the film in 2007 when they won it again. Um, but you've also got in the middle of that as well the 2006 World Cup. So you've got kind of a, like a rise and then a revenge bit at the end. I think it would just be. I'd, I'd watch I'd really it. like to see this film like, immediately. Yeah. So then, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it, what the Cohen brothers, um, whether they're fans of football or not. I suspect not, but you know, either way, I would still get them in to do it. Um, so yeah, so my final choice and the one I'm not too sure how it's going to be received uh, would be to make quite an abstract movie about football. And I've had it's only because I've had this idea floating around in my head for years. Um, and the problem with the idea is it's going to take somebody a lot cleverer than me to actually make the concept into a real thing. Steve, though. Uh, that's actually also any good. Yeah, I'll get Steve to do the, well. the script. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but what I'm proposing is using a football match as a device to kind of tell a story. We've already talked about actually how there, there are football matches that are just they transcend storytelling. You couldn't really make a film about a football match. So you should make a football match about something else and film that. So, yeah, but just bear with me because I'm aware that I'm probably that not... sounds like it's going to be a space jam ripoff, sense. But essentially... <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite, no. But essentially you'd use kind of the football as a metaphor for another story. So you could have it telling um, a story about, um, you know, through the full 90 minutes to kind of replicate a real event like uh, the Second World War, for example. You know, you've got a match that's being played in a kind of muddy, rainy Sunday league public park almost, you know. And as the rain lets up, that's when we, um, that is the Allies, are kind of winning and it gets darker and wetter again. That's when the Axes are in, uh, sort of taking control. Um, you'd have a manager or coach on the sideline who's barking orders at the 11 kind of soldiers on the pitch. Uh, you know, things like the D-Day um, landing could be scoring a goal. Um, the Battle of Sicily could be like a bombardment of crosses that aren't actually converted. Hitler's suicide could be the opposition captain um, injuring himself, being stretched off after a reckless challenge that he missed. You know, something quite... I just imagine wow. that it would be quite abstract, very art house. Well, I'm sure, a lot of um, thought into this, Owen. It's one of these things. Well, good. I'm glad. Because the main problem I've always had is trying to think... I assume it's, it's going to be in black and white. Made. Um, and what story you would tell. And possibly sometimes. <laughs> Maybe. A lot of slow motion. But the other thing I thought you could do with it, if you were going to make it um, about a war, you've got to kind of make it into some way of of being an anti-war message, which would be quite difficult considering you'd have a football team who won and that would kind of glorify it a little bit, um, which I wouldn't want to do. So you'd have to have some kind of draw or... They, the draw they won, but they the went out and <laughs> through. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, so it'd be quite difficult. You'd also, I'd, I'd also remove any kind of actual football sounds to it and perhaps you could have something like um, real-life uh, war... Sounds, Cannon things that have been recorded from wars. Yeah. There was actually a football war. There was. That was nearly one of my stories. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, Between yeah. El Salvador and Honduras. Yeah, yeah. So, that's true. 
yeah, but you know, that's kind of, I've got more of a, a vague concept than an actual idea for a film. Um, but I think it's doable. It's a bit artist, like I say, but I think it's, that's a really it's doable. Idea. It could be done. Like Let's make it. Now. Yeah. That's... Get people in. Let's get a, uh, let's get someone's iPhone out. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, but, that, um, yeah. That, uh, rounds off triple bill then. Uh, our ideas for, for, uh, things from football to be made into films. Before we go, uh, recommendations, uh, this week is taking on a slightly different form than usual, isn't it, James? Yes. Um, this, this, I thought, as, I'll be honest, I've barely, I've not watched the film in the last week because the World Cup's been on. I've been watching loads of football instead, so I, th- I said, why don't we all pick a, a match from the next week or so? And then a film to go with it, like a kind of fine wine recommendation. So if, if you want to watch this match, then as your appetizer, you can watch this film to kind of, and then I'll let your imaginations run wild on that. Okay, so do you so want me you... to do you want me to give mine first? Yeah, yeah. you start. <laughs> okay, so it was on, your idea. on Saturday night, um, we've got it, it's the most hipster football match I can find from these early rounds. Uh, it's Belgium versus Russia. Now a, a lot of hipster football fans think. Uh, Belgium are you know dark horses, and the same with Russia. But at the same time, um, not many people have actually seen Belgium play uh, until this World Cup, <laughs> or, or Russia for that. Exactly, you know, we know the players and things like that. So uh, for the ultimate hipster football match at this World Cup, which I think is Russia versus Belgium, um, watch that. Um, and in the same way that. Normal fans will look at that and go, yeah, they're not two of the best sides in the competition, honest, yeah, despite what you hipsters say. On Netflix afterwards, you can watch Holy Motors, uh, which <laughs> is the ultimate hipster film, where people like me go, oh, it's incredible, and then people like you go, what the fuck is that? It's just people trying to be weird. Um, so it, watch those two if you want to be pure hipster this Saturday night. Right then, here is my suggestion. Um, Tuesday night, or Tuesday late afternoon, England take on Costa Rica in the final group game uh, of, of Group D. Uh, I'd recommend watching that and coupling up with The Phantom Menace because it'll pro- it'll promise so much and deliver so little. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, well, I've actually got uh, the Dave. same game. I recommend you watch England versus Costa Rica. And I've got a recommendation specifically for you three gentlemen, but for any other Englishmen out there. And that's simply, after the game, James, you like the Raid, you give that a watch. Owen, I don't know what you like, but you watch what you like. Steve, you watch a cartoon or something. Just get, watch your favourite movie, because you're going to need cheered up <laughs> after you get fucked for the fuck time. <laughs> oh, bless. I'm a bitter man. Um, Owen. <laughs> uh, I've gone through a similar kind of thing to, to what James has suggested, actually. Upstream colour has been oh, that's added such a to... fucking hipster film. I didn't even like it, but I didn't like it. But it's one of those films that um, a lot of people are going to want to know about anyway, because it's Shane Carruth, and he was—he's quite a popular director from Primer, which was a complete head fuck. Well, Upstream Colour is just as much of a head fuck. So the reason I've chosen it is because I think it'd go quite well with um, the Germany versus Ghana game, which is on Saturday at eight o'clock, because I think Ghana are just a really unpredictable team. You never know what type of team's going to turn up with Ghana. Um, so Ghana versus Germany should be a good match, I think. Um, and yeah, and then you can watch Upstream Colour either before or after and just continue that unpredictable sort of theme. Nice. Excellent. Uh, well, that's it for, for this week's 
podcast then, uh, Fail Critics Football Special. We'll be back next week with James' reviews of... Um, yeah, I've forgotten the <laughs> I have to do that. Um, I, I honestly can't... <laughs> what, is there anything out? Oh, there must be something out, obviously. Oh, hang on. Give me one second. So right, I'm going to cut this bit out. No, you're not. I've got to keep, I've just got to keep going. Cut Like I'm really prepared. <laughs> um, so next week is right. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, yes, next week. Is... Oh no, we. I've <laughs> just had a look on the website. And it's just going to be question marks because <laughs> I've no idea what's being released. I don't think there's anything big being released. So we might do another triple bill or something. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. Who the hell knows? But we'll be welcoming Carol back and. Uh, uh, because and, lawyers will give us cease and desist orders to say that Dave McFarlane is not allowed hello. to film critics podcast. And Owen and Shane's have to have watched the film that I recommend. Yes, we will so. have watched uh, The Man from Earth or A Man from Earth or yeah, something yeah. along those lines, yes. Okay, so thanks for everyone who's contributed, everyone who's listened. Thanks to Dave for joining us. Um, hopefully we'll be back somewhere in the future. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back with all of our as well, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yes, join us again next week for uh, a more normal, uh, back to back to regularity, fail critics film podcast. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.